Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today. Do surveillance systems like ShotSpotter reduce crime in cities like Detroit? Or are they just intrusions and distractions? As the city's city council debates the program's merits and opponents make forceful objections, we're going to take a look at the ins and outs of this kind of surveillance, whether it works, and why so many are skeptical of its efficacy or appropriateness. We'll also hear from you. That's next on Detroit Today, right after the news from NPR. Detroit Today is supported by Michigan School of Psychology in Farmington Hills, educating psychologists today who will transform our world tomorrow. Learn more at msp.edu. Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, your host, and as always, thanks for tuning in. In Detroit, where the challenge of reducing crime shapes so much of our debate and decision-making, in recent years, we have been consumed with talk of surveillance and the role it can play or should play in policing. Think of Project Greenlight, which has blanketed Detroit with literally flashing green lights that signal that there is video surveillance taking place intended to discourage crime. We see them outside of liquor stores and gas stations, some private places too. Residences seem to have these lights. They literally are everywhere. And Police say this is key to not only reducing the incidence of crime, but also to helping to solve crimes after they've happened because, well, the perpetrators leave video evidence of what they've done behind. But opponents of Project Greenlight talk about the intrusion of these cameras. We literally live in a city where we are maybe always on camera through Project Greenlight. And a lot of people question whether that's appropriate, but they also wonder whether these cameras and that constant watch that we're under does much to prevent trouble. And now we have ShotSpotter, which is another type of surveillance technology, and it has taken center stage in this ongoing conversation. Now, ShotSpotter is supposed to detect the location of gunshots, which it does by triangulating the signals from sensors it places in neighborhoods and relaying the information from those sensors to acoustic experts at a control center. Fire a gun somewhere where these sensors are nearby, and ShotSpotter says it can tell police that it happened and help dispatch them to deal with the trouble if necessary. To be sure, you can find stories that highlight successes on ShotSpotter's website, for instance, of this technology. And right here in Detroit on Monday, the Detroit Police Department 
says they were able to seize guns and narcotics after ShotSpotter led them to people who were involved in those things. The company claims it enables rapid response to gunfire, 80% of which, by the way, does not get reported through 911 calls. But here again, there are concerns about the system, both locally and around the country. In Chicago, for instance, a class action lawsuit was filed against the company alleging that 90% of all alerts turned up nothing at all and led to police making illegal stops and filing false charges. Amid this debate, the Detroit City Council recently postponed a vote on whether to allocate an additional $7 million in COVID relief funds to expand the use of ShotSpotter here in Detroit. The council has already voted to extend the current contract that we have with ShotSpotter through 2024. So the question is, what does this do? Is this an overall benefit for the citizens of Detroit, or is it more surveillance without actual productive outcome? Does it allow police to respond to situations quicker? Does it help law enforcement protect the community even when no one is able to communicate the threat that's taking place? Or does this just lead to more trouble than it's worth? And does it erode our sense of privacy, our sense that we aren't being watched all the time by authorities. There are legitimate constitutional and public privacy concerns related to all of these questions. Now, we want to spend today talking in an extended way about ShotSpotter and about surveillance on the show. We want to take a look at what it's doing here in Detroit, whether it's effective, and what the objections are to having surveillance like this in our city. But before we look specifically at the controversy here in Detroit and talk about what city council is doing and thinking about, WDET's Nick Austin sat down with Johns Hopkins Center for Gun Violence Solutions assistant scientist Mitchell Doucette, who is the author of a national study on ShotSpotter, which was conducted to gain a better understanding of how effective the system has been nationwide. Joining us right now on 1019 WDET, an assistant scientist with the John Hopkins Center for Gun Violence Solutions and author behind the study Impact of ShotSpotter Technology on Firearm Homicides and Arrest Among Large Metropolitan Counties, a Longitudinal Analysis from 1999 to 2016. I'm joined by the author Mitchell Doucette. Mitchell, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Happy to have you aboard. And to start off, uh, for those of us who aren't so familiar, Mitchell, can you tell us what are you guys trying to do over at the John Hopkins Center for Gun Violence Solutions? Sure. At Johns Hopkins Center for Gun Violence Solutions, again, we, we try to uh, conduct a thorough and rigorous research to understand uh, the impact of policy as well as interventions and understand whether or not those policy interventions have positive or negative effect on gun violence. Uh, and again, that's homicides as well as suicides. 
Very good. And as part of that mission, you conducted this study related to ShotSpotter. Before we get into your research and what you found out, can you tell people who aren't so familiar uh, about the ShotSpotter technology and what ShotSpotter is? Sure. ShotSpotter, it's an acoustic listening device. And the technology uh, or the devices of the technology are installed in different areas. And each of those devices get triangulated or they get uh, essentially used together to identify when a gunshot is discharged. And importantly, uh, when those discharges occur outside, the shot spotter technology gets deployed and the technology tells the, the company shot spotter that there has been a potential gunfire that occurs and then that gets relayed to the local police department uh, that then uses that information to triangulate where the gunshot occurred and they arrive on the scene of the potential gunshot. Certainly. And for the 2021 paper that uh, we're discussing today about Shot Spotter, what were you attempting to do with that paper and what did you learn? So for that paper, what we were really interested in, and the question we were trying to answer was, the shot spotter and as gunshot detection technology in general uh, has been implemented in, in a number of cities across the United States, as well as internationally. And again, what we were trying to identify and what wasn't present in the literature at the time was, is this technology effective at reducing violence into the future once it's implemented? So we, we wanted to try to answer this question in as a rigorous uh, way possible. In order to do that, we, we started by identifying the largest metropolitan areas within the United States. So among these metropolitan areas, again, if we want to think of it comparing apples to apples, right, comparing large areas to large areas, we then identified which of those cities or counties had ShotSpotter implemented within it. And from there, what we did was over a period of time of about 19 years, we compared what happened in the cities that did implement ShotSpotter comparatively to cities that did not implement ShotSpotter. And again, what we found was during the years after the technology was implemented, when we looked at these large metropolitan counties, the counties slash cities that did implement the technology didn't see any reductions in firearm homicides, nor did they see any increases. And uh, again, what we can take from that is, uh, in the years after the technology was implemented, uh, there was no association with, say, decreased firearm homicides. Alternatively, we want to understand, well, is the technology potentially having other effects too, right? Uh, and in particular, we were interested in, well, whether or not the gunshot detecting technology, in this case, ShotSpotter, um, had any effect on related crimes and uh, the ability to solve them, right? Again, if we think theoretically, we might think, hey, you know, ShotSpotter is implemented and say law enforcement arrives at a crime scene in, in a faster fashion, uh, they're able to identify uh, shell casing, casings uh, that, again, maybe they weren't able to before. Uh, maybe they're able to canvas and identify additional witnesses that, again, prior to having the technology, they weren't able to do so. Uh, so we wanted to say, well, again, uh, we found that the firearm homicides were not reducing, but was there other impacts on 
other outcomes. In this case, we looked at the, the murder clearance rate as well as the weapons arrest rates. And what we found was, in addition to having no relationship to uh, firearm homicides, meaning, again, there was no decrease or increase, uh, the counties, again, that implemented this technology, we also didn't see increases in murder clearance rates as well as weapons arrest rates. And we're speaking with Mitchell Doucette, an assistant scientist at the John Hopkins Center for Gun Violence Solutions and author of the 2021 study, Impact of ShotSpotter Technology on Firearm Homicides and Arrest Among Large Metropolitan Counties. Mitch, are you aware of any other studies that have occurred similar to the one that you put on in terms of looking at the overall impact on firearm-related homicides and arrest outcomes? That's a great question. Uh, this was really the first study of its kind looking at what happens after ShotSpotter was adopted. So for my money, this is was really one of the first examinations of what happened over a long period of time in counties that did implement the technology compared to counties that didn't. What other information do you wish you had or would you have liked to have had access to in undergoing your study? So the one thing the paper didn't have was for each of the given cities slash counties that implemented ShotSpotter, we didn't, for example, know the exact coverage area of the technology. For example, um, New York City has implemented ShotSpotter in given areas or given neighborhoods within that city, but the city itself isn't 100% covered by ShotSpotter, right, if you will. Uh, this is compared to, say, Hartford, uh, Hartford, uh, Connecticut, that has 100% of the city limits covered by ShotSpotter. So we weren't able to control for uh, what percentage of the city, for example, was covered by the technology. Um, that information is is proprietary and not available to the public. And um, again, I, I think having access to that data would give us much more confidence in the results, again, whether they change them or, or they stay the same. Certainly. And speaking of research into uh, the ShotSpotter technology, can you tell us how your study is different than a lot of the studies that occurred previously or other studies that were done related to this system and technology? Yeah, it's a good question. There are several papers that have been published that look at ShotSpotter, but most of them look at the implementation of the technology, say, within a, a given city. So they might look at, you know, what happened after a city implemented ShotSpotter, did police get to the scene of a potential shooting faster, for example? And we're speaking with Mitchell Doucette, an assistant scientist at the John Hopkins Center for Gun Violence Solutions and author of The Impact of ShotSpotter Technology on Firearm Homicides and Arrests Among Large Metropolitan Counties. Mitch, before I let you go... Is there an overall takeaway that you have for us and the listeners related to your study? So again, our, our study found that the implementation of ShotSpotter technology was not associated with decreases in firearm homicides or firearm violence did not reduce in the, in the counties slash cities that did implement the technology compared to our control group of similar sized counties and cities. Again, if that's the case, right, and if this study is replicated and shows to be really the, the true effectiveness of ShotSpotter, again, it's our recommendation that potentially more evidence-based solutions 
are implemented in um, communities to reduce firearm violence. That was WDET's Nick Austin talking with Mitchell Doucette, who is an assistant scientist at the Johns Hopkins Center for Gun Violence Solutions. Key takeaway there uh, is that uh, their research suggests that cities that are using ShotSpotter don't see dramatic differences in overall rates of crime than cities that don't. All right, uh, we're going to take that point of information and go forward into the conversation here on Detroit Today. After a break, we are going to talk with uh, Nancy Parker, who's a managing attorney at the Detroit Justice Center, uh, someone who opposes this kind of surveillance. We'll also talk a little later with Deputy Chief of the Detroit Police Department, Franklin Hayes, who will explain why DPD is enthusiastic about ShotSpotter as a surveillance tool. Then we're going to talk with WDET's Eli Newman, who has been covering all of this at the city council. And we're going to want to hear from you. What do you think of surveillance technology as a crime-fighting tool? Do things like ShotSpotter make a difference? Do they go too far intruding into people's private lives. 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we'll work you into the conversation. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more Detroit Today. Bringing you news that matters. Stories that impact your life. Music from the Motor City and around the world. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. As always, thanks for tuning in. We're talking this hour about the controversy here in the city of Detroit over ShotSpotter, a surveillance tool uh, that police say allows them to detect when a gun is fired, uh, determine whether they need to respond because maybe a crime is taking place, and as a result, be more effective at reducing crime in a city where we live with far too much of it. Of course, there are lots of people who take issue with uh, those assertions who say that this doesn't work very well, uh, it doesn't make a difference in the overall uh, rate of crime that we live with, uh, but there are also concerns about uh, how much surveillance we live with in cities like Detroit. Think of Project Greenlight, which really has blanketed the city with these flashing green lights that signal that uh, you're under surveillance when you're near them at a store or any other kind of building that has decided to participate in this program. Uh, ShotSpotter would add to that. Uh, it exists right now in a few neighborhoods in Detroit, and the city council is debating a proposal to expand its relationship with ShotSpotter, put it into more places in Detroit which police say will help them solve more crimes. Right now, I want to welcome someone to the program who is a skeptic of those assertions. Nancy Parker is managing attorney at the Detroit Justice Center. Nancy, welcome to Detroit Today. 
Good morning. Thank you very much for having me. So let's just start with this. What's your objection to ShotSpotter? As I said, police say this is a tool that helps them solve more crimes. Uh, Are they right about that? And even if they are, are there other concerns about the way in which this intrudes into people's not private spaces, but certainly their expectation of privacy, even in public. Absolutely. So there are definitely a myriad of issues with ShotSpotter. We can we can start with the claims that um, it purports to put out and what DPD wants the people to believe is that this will lead to more arrests, more um, guns off the street and keeping people safe. And that is a claim that is just blatantly, blanketly not brought out in any evidence. You were just listening to the researchers at John Hopkins. Um, I've looked at similar studies from right here in our backyard at the University of Michigan, as well as SIAU. Um, and they're all saying the same thing. ShotSpotter cannot keep us safe because it is not a preventative tool. It is a reactive tool. And even as a reactive tool, it does not yield the results of uh, even investigatory Um, information to later prevent further crime. What it does is expend lots of time and resources on police officers who now will already tell you that they're stretched thin. What it does is causes them to be deployed to areas where these alerts are going off, where there's not necessarily any gun-related, excuse me, gun-related activity. In addition to that, you have the true surveillance concerns. This is not hyperbole. This, again, is a tool similar to, as you say, we see with Project Greenlight, we see the lights flashing all over. We are being surveilled by the government. And for us to believe that we are free residents, free citizens to move around our city, we should not be under the thumb of the government, especially when that surveillance does not lead to safety, but leads to harm and over-criminalization and unnecessary incarceration of folks who just happen to be in these communities, who clearly majority are black and brown. It is not keeping us safe. It is an intrusion on our privacy. The, the a shop spotter uh, technician engineer testified to the New York City Committee on Public Safety that these microphones do have the potential to record conversations at a natural volume up to 50 feet away. Mm. This should be a concern for everyone. We cannot give up our constitutional rights, our civil liberties, just because someone is is causing fear and and sowing alarm in citizens and residents, as we heard our chief of police say at that city council meeting, which I was present and spoke at, that every resident should be terrified. And that is why we need ShopSpotter. That is not the type of leadership that I want in my city. I want someone that says, yes, there is a real problem, and these are the active steps that we are taking to resolve it. Have faith in us. We are listening to you, and we will get to the heart of this matter. Not have fear. Don't go outside. Don't talk to your neighbors. Don't further, don't talk to the cops, because now we have seen in other cities what it is doing is deteriorating the community relations that police are already saying are at an all-time low. If that is your concern 
And we know that when you have community uh, policing in, in, in the truest sense of the word, in terms of communities looking out for each other and those that who do go to the police and they trust the police, once you have built that trust, the information will come. People will seek you out to help keep them safe. But when they see you as a terrorist, a terrorist with a badge and a gun that is allowed to move with impunity in neighborhoods, folks in Chicago, St. Louis, they're hiding. They're going in their house and they're closing the doors when the police come because they don't want to be falsely accused. Yeah. And we have seen that in these cities where where you have 1983 issues, you have false arrest claims and the cities have to shell out and pay money to folks whose civil liberties were deprived. But then also, what is that harm and trauma that is continuously happening to these communities that you claim are there to serve and protect? Yeah. So so so, Nancy, I want to I want to give you uh, a chance to address something that the department is saying this week about ShotSpotter. There was a shooting on the east side uh, that resulted um, in a homicide, uh, I think, um, uh, that police officers are saying they wouldn't have known about if not for ShotSpotter. ShotSpotter heard the gunshots, uh, dispatched the police to that location, and they discovered the victim. Um, and they're saying, look, it's not necessarily true that uh, somebody would have heard this and called the police. What, what do you say when they trot out instances like this, which DPD does, but also ShotSpotter? You know, if you go to their website, they have all kinds of examples of places they say they have solved crimes or helped police to solve crimes. What's, what's the response to that? The response is that these may be outliers. And, and what the police and DP, and, excuse me, ShotSpotter want us to believe is that, look, the majority of the time we're being deployed and we're engaging in good police work and we're, we're solving all these crimes that haven't happened and we're saving people's lives all the time. And that is simply just not the case. Those are the outliers. Those by far could be the exceptions. They are by and large not the majority, and not what we see on a consistent basis. If you go to the Inspector General's report out of Chicago, 91% of all the shot spotter alerts over a two-year period in Chicago led in dead-end deployments. So, Chief, you want to parrot out one anomaly where maybe you guys were called because of shot spotter when no one else would have alerted you to that? Maybe. Maybe. But I want to talk about the hundreds and thousands of other times where you are deployed out and you have now wasted taxpayer resources because there's no evidence of a crime. You didn't prevent anything. Instead, you came into the community and you harassed people. We have to look at this from a cost benefit analysis. Mm -hmm. And anyone with a logical mind cannot look at the empirical data and say that, yes, there is a benefit to, these, to this very expensive, racist tool. There's no way you come out on the other side of that if you are truly for safety. Now, if you're for corporate greed and politics being played, sure, you can use these outliers, these people's trauma, as a reason to dump over $7 million into a technology that has been shown to say that over time it will not work to keep people safe, nor reduce crime. 
why would we make a rule for an outlier where the majority of the time we will be in a deficit? Mm. Uh, when when you when we talk about the extent to which people are being surveilled uh, in, in in cities like Detroit, for instance, um, one of the things that I hear uh, in response to to that complaint is, well, these are areas where there is a lot of crime, and there are people who are you know victims of these crimes. Pretty frequently, uh, what, what, what's the answer to that um, to that kind of criticism of the the, the worry about surveillance? In other words, um, if if this were a safer community, I think the argument would go, uh, we wouldn't need this kind of surveillance. And I mean, I, I know I think that's a, a kind of a, a circular argument, and 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 you know, uh, uh, a self-fulfilling prophecy in some ways. Uh, but but I want to hear you talk about w- why you think that's not the right way to think about this. So you took it right out my mouth. I was going to say, it's, <laughs> it's, it's just a circular argument. It's clearly, clearly, if, if, if I'm going to over-police your community, your neighborhood, I, as a matter of fact, will find more crime in your community because I am there. Because I'm a, a fixed present, so I'm going to over-police you and I'm going to over-criminalize your community. But more so, I want to talk about the root causes of crime. Mm. The city recently just uh, announced that we have a third of the population that live under the poverty line and another third who are at the poverty line. So we have two-thirds of Detroiters that we know are struggling. Overlay the poverty map with the crime map and they are one in the same crime is bred from poverty instead of investing in surveillance tools why don't we address the root causes of crime and we know that poverty is one of that that is a clear inextricable link when folks do not have the resources that they need to survive food shelter water access to mental health and other health needs, everything else will decline because now you are no longer thriving or merely even surviving. You are literally getting by by the skin of your teeth and you will do whatever you need to do to survive. So why will I now over-criminalize these people when what they are doing is acts that are shouting for help? Please give us more job readiness programs. Please, we need actual schools that's educating our children so that when they come out, they know that there's avenues for them, that there's programs, there's colleges, there's jobs that they can partake in. Can we get folks mental health services, please? These are the root causes of crime that we should be investing in. What ShopSpotter is and what DPD is advocating to do is not even put a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound, as the analogy goes. It's taking a dirty Band-Aid that's dipped in poison and putting that on the gunshot wound. Mm. Not only do we know this will not work and it will fall off, but it will sow more harm. It'll cause more issues, more violence, more unnecessary uh, false incarceration and stop and frisk will increase in communities that are screaming for help. Everyone at the city council meetings that I've been at and listened to people on Zoom and talk to people in the hallway, 
We all want to be safe. We want to be safe. What is this knee-jerk reaction to invest in a surveillance tool that time and time again, other jurisdictions, other cities have said, hey, we were desperate too. We tried this thing and it didn't work. Why would Detroit be any different? It makes nonsense, no sense. It's completely nonsensical. At the top of this, you called me a skeptic and I want to change that. (laughs) I am a realist. I am a realist. I'm looking at facts. I'm not going off emotion as DPD is trying to prey on the fears of people instead of working with the community to say we need a community-led response. Yeah. Uh, Nancy what? Parker, I, I, I really appreciate uh, you, you coming on and talking about uh, ShotSpotter and uh, your, your take on it. Uh, I, I do want to want to pivot and uh, get to the, the, the police uh, department's uh, view of this. But but I, I think uh, it's really important that uh, the people hear these kinds of objections and, and how it fits into the context of not just uh, the fight against crime, but the the, the fight to protect people's uh, civil liberties. Uh, Nancy, uh, again, thanks very much for being here on uh, Detroit Today. Thank you for having me. I greatly appreciate the opportunity. So I do want to pivot now to uh, Franklin Hayes, who is a deputy chief of police here in the city of Detroit. Uh, Chief Hayes, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. So I I think you heard a lot of what uh, Nancy Parker was saying there. Uh, I I assume maybe you heard um, our conversation uh, with uh, the folks at the Johns Hopkins Center for Gun Violence Solutions who said that there is no statistical evidence that cities that use ShotSpotter have lower incidences of crime than uh, cities that don't. Uh, I want to give you a chance to, to... present the police department's uh, the, the case for this. What What is it that uh, you believe ShotSpotter will help us with here in the city of Detroit? Well, um, public safety is certainly uh, paramount uh, in keeping this community safe. Uh, that's at the forefront uh, of this uh, administration. Uh, Chief White has said on many occasions that ShotSpotter is not uh, an all or an either it's an and. Uh, and with this technology, along with our other resources, certainly uh, we talked about poverty, uh, the need for mental health, uh, the need for opportunity or exposure to the opportunities as far as jobs. Maybe someone had uh, a different uh, start uh, and perhaps they, they need a second chance uh, through ceasefire and other initiatives that we have that we can address the systemic issue uh, of, of this crime and this violence in our city. But when we speak to ShotSpotter, you know, there was a couple things that were mentioned. First of all, this is not a knee-jerk reaction. The data selected this technology. And uh, I would certainly argue that um, anyone who says that, first of all, we can't be responsible for how other uh, cities um, utilize the ShotSpotter technology and the metrics that they use for success. But data drove us here. See, ShotSpotter isn't new in Detroit. And when we, those same council meetings, it's been deployed in our 8th and ninth precinct. Mm-hmm. And the members and the residents of that community spoke to it. So, so and, when you say data chose this, what, what, what data? So the data that we started with was our most common, our, our most robust areas where we're getting uh, – gun-related uh, calls for service, whether they be shots fired in the area, whether they be people shot. And from that, we t- 
took two of the most violent areas in the city, the 8th and the 9th Precinct, and ShotSpotter has been deployed since March of 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from that, uh, that's why we are confident that with the expansion of this technology, uh, that we can have further reduction in those most violent areas of the city. We have had over a 40% reduction uh, in gun-related incidents. So it is already beta-tested and proven here in the city that it has had an impact. But in those areas, in those areas, is it has it decreased more than other areas? I've seen data that suggests that it, it's it hasn't been different in those areas than in the areas that don't have ShotSpotter? Well, I I would certainly argue that this area in the uh, initial area was larger or they had greater issues in those other areas. But specific to where our most violent areas are in the city, we've had this reduction and we've changed behavior. Uh, And how we got there, and certainly it's still going on and we still have problems. Uh, In those areas, we've gotten over just a little bit over 700 calls into 911 that have spoken to, I mean, that have, hey, someone fired shots in the area, someone shot gun-related crimes. We've had over 700. In those same areas, overlaying that with the shot spotter technology, we've had over 7,000 hits from shot spotter or notifications that guns have been fired. So that's less than 10% that people are still calling, and the residents of the city deserve better and should not be impervious to gunfire, indiscriminate gunfire. There are no gun ranges here in the city of Detroit. And to walk out uh, and, and to shoot. What goes up must come down. Certainly those that are just uh, uh, recklessly shooting, and not to mention those with intent. Uh, as recently as yesterday morning, uh, this technology uh, on our east side, uh, the technology led us uh, to a shooting victim that uh, unfortunately succumbed to his injuries. There were no 911 calls. Right. Uh, it's school time. Imagine school young students walking down the street and to see the remains of someone who was just fatally shot out on the sidewalk. Uh, but you didn't no prevent time. you didn't prevent the shooting with shot spotter. I mean, it, it allowed you to respond more quickly. Um, but that's a fatal shooting in the city. And, and and I want to read you just a couple of stats that come from uh, what you provided to Bridge Detroit, um, uh, which is a news organization here in the city, that shows that in parts of the 8th and 9th precincts where you're using ShotSparter, non-fatal shootings have increased, but they have decreased in areas that aren't using it. So, so, I mean, again, the, what does the data actually, what data are you actually using that suggests that this is making a difference? Not that you're able to respond when it does hit on something that, you know, is a shooting and you can go respond to it, but that overall it's not making a difference in how, how dangerous uh, the city is. Again, I would argue that certainly to change behavior. And as we look at our metrics to see, you know, the success, if an incident doesn't happen, if, it, if, if this story is getting out in ShotSpotter, those that are uh, in this most violent area and saying, you know, hey, we, let's stop pulling these triggers, let's stop shooting, sure, there's a permeating effect. And, and we're certainly glad to see that others are known because they may not know exactly where that ShotSpotter area is, that, hey, we need to stop shooting these guns. You know, as we talk about our reductions citywide, you know, crime reductions in the city just aren't in this area. Uh, We're at an 8% decrease in homicides citywide. Right. Um, 
so, so, the, so then what, what's the argument for ShotSpotter then? I mean, again, if we are doing better at reducing gun violence in Detroit, in Detroit generally, and we don't have ShotSpotter in most places, why do we need to spend more money to bring it to more places? Well, that 8%, quite frankly, isn't enough. Certainly, we can say it's 8%, and it looks good on paper. But still, in the year 2022, we've had 227 people that lost their lives to criminal homicide. That's unacceptable. That's far too many. But will ShotSpotter make those numbers different? That's the question. It is certainly uh, the belief uh, and the commitment uh, of Chief White that with this technology, this will help drive a a safer environment for the city. Uh, And certainly those other areas that we can stop people from using these firearms indiscriminately using our city our backyards our public street as gun ranges and we can drive these homicide numbers down even less and these non-fatal victims shooting uh, victims even less in the city so this is just a tool uh, this is not the end all we are not saying that shot spotter is going to stop crime mm-hmm. we, there's no technology there's no set of handcuffs that we can arrest our way and arrest everyone and say crime is is over so, but with this, we truly believe that we can change behavior in other parts of the city that just weren't as violent as this. Not to say there are other violent parts of our city, but if we expand this technology over, we can drive this change, this downward trend of people using homicide, uh, using firearms in our city um, irresponsibly or not shouldn't be using them at all, yeah. um, that, that we can impact crime. So, so Chief, bef- was- before I have to let you go, I want to I have you address this this concern about the level of surveillance that Detroiters live under. It's not just shot spotter. We have lots of other things uh, that keep a watch on us. Uh, How how does the department answer those concerns about civil liberties and, and civil liberties of people who already live with, you know, a distressing level uh, of disruption in their lives? So uh, two things, and it's kind of a broad question, but, you know, you, you talked about surveillance. Well, ShotSpotter is not surveillance. but surveillance Well, sure it is. is it's listening anyway. surveillance, right? Well, it, it's triggered at the percussion but to, of a firearm. So only when a firearm goes off will this technology be activated. So it's not a matter of listening to anyone live, listening to people's conversations. This technology does not have that capability. It has that capability. Uh, it's not used that way. It's not just detecting gunshots. It's detecting noises, and then somebody is determining whether that noise is a gunshot, which means it's picking up all kinds of things, correct? It, it is only triggered at the percussion uh, of, of a firearm, uh, of a firearm going off. It does not trigger conversation. It does not pick up uh, on conversations. It cannot pick up inside of anyone's home. Uh, if you fire a gun even inside the home, uh, there's no uh, proof to show that this technology... Uh, it can pick that up. This is only outside in open spaces will it pick up uh, and, and be activated on the percussion of a firearm going off. Um, you, you, when you mentioned civil liberties, and I, I, there was mentioned from the previous caller, uh, certainly, and we uh, certainly respect uh, uh, her position, but as far as it being racist, this is one of the most race-neutral pieces of technology that we have. Well, I don't think the I don't think the accusation is that the technology is racist. It's the implementation of the technology in only uh, areas that that are are overwhelmingly African American. It's that it's that as African Americans here in the city, we live with this level of surveillance, and others do not. Well, it wasn't race that picked us there. It was these areas where people are getting shot. Uh, Detroit is a black city. 
Uh, and uh, it, we, we didn't look at race or demographics or anything. When we deployed this, we simply looked at the data. Chief White, again, is data-driven, and it's the data that says people are getting shot in this area. We need that to stop. And, and that is where it is. If it had been in other sectors of the city where the demographic may have been different, if the data had shown that that is a violent portion of the city and the residents are fearful to call 911, fear of retaliation, uh, or fear that they may be next, fear that they may be threatened, this gives them an option, an alternative to where they can have peace of mind. And this technology will then uh, alert us, and then we can go and, and address these issues. So it is certainly, um, uh, again, the, the race factor is not in place. It is the gun fire that brought us here, not anyone's race, um, uh, certainly their ethnicity or anything along that lines as to why and how this uh, will be strategically placed uh, throughout the city uh, should council approve it. Okay. Uh, Deputy Chief Franklin Hayes, I really do appreciate you coming on to to give the department's uh, position on ShotSpotter. Thanks so much for joining us on Detroit Today. Thank you. My pleasure. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get to your calls and your social media comments. Remember, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter, hashtag Detroit Today. We can work you into the conversation. Also next up, uh, Eli Newman from WDET's newsroom is going to join us to talk about the ongoing debate on city council about ShotSpotter. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Spotter here on Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for joining. I want to welcome Eli Newman from our newsroom here at WDET to the conversation. Eli, great to have you in the studio. Thanks for having me on the show. So uh, quickly, uh, catch us up on what the controversy actually is on council. What are council members thinking about and debating, and what's your sense of where they come down on this issue? Right. Well, I mean, I think they're hearing a lot of what we've heard on this show, people arguing for and against the ShotSpotter program. So on Tuesday, uh, the contract was actually up for a vote, um, and there was about 80 people that showed up either in person or on Zoom to either talk about their support of the program or their opposition to it. And uh, Tuesday's um, vote actually didn't happen, and they decided to postpone it uh, until next week as they kind of figure out what they're going to do with this. There was a conversation about potentially changing funding sources. Obviously, we've been talking about how this um, aspect of this $7 million contract is being taken from the American Rescue Plan Act, this COVID Uh, this federal COVID relief program. And so there's a conversation about potentially changing that funding source, but we'll see how that uh, comes to a head next week. Yeah. Uh, What what do individual council members tell you about their take on ShotSpotter? They they have to have seen the studies, uh, but they also are talking with members of the Detroit Police Department, and there's a conflict there, right? One side says this works, the other side is saying "Mm, it really doesn't. Sure. And of course, they also heard from a lot of block club uh, presidents and, and members that were also talking in support of, of this program. So they're also dealing with the, the demands of their constituency as well. But I think what we really heard is from uh, specifically council members, um, Gabriela Santiago Romero, Angela Whitfield Calloway, Mary Waters, 
uh, a, a reluctance to take on this contract because of the lack of data and that uh, would uh, push them to vote for such a, a bill. Um, council members Sheffield Johnson um, have not necessarily, uh, sorry, I should say that again, Council President Mary Sheffield, Council Member Letitia Johnson, um, seem to be more on the fence um, about where they might actually end up voting on this item. I think we also had some clear support from Council, council uh, President Pro Tem James Tate, Council Member Fred Durhall, and uh, Scott Benson regarding, uh, in support of this program. So there's definitely a, a variety of different um, opinions um, uh, on this matter. Yeah. I, I do want to get to some calls, and I want to apologize to, to callers up front. We've got more calls than we're going to be able to take today. We had a lot of information to get to and a lot of voices to get into this conversation. But uh, let's start with Trey in Detroit. Trey, again, I don't have much time, but uh, but go ahead. Sure. Good morning. I am reminded that the department is in the process of unwinding itself from a chief who was trying to take credit for the Justice Department training that the Detroit police got under, uh, directed by Mayor Archer. And this reminds me of that. Uh, the council needs to do their homework. You don't have to read very far to see the number of places that have tried it and have taken it back down. And I just want to throw out this statistic that Northwestern University did about a 21-month run that they had with it in Chicago. 89% of the reports resulted in no report of a gun-related crime. 86% no crime of any type hmm. in 21 months. More than 40,000 dead-end deployments of the officers. Yeah. So we definitely have a better use for our resources. Yeah, Trey, Trey, I really appreciate the call and you uh, adding to the pool of information here uh, about this program. Thanks for, for participating. Let's go next to Karen in Detroit. Karen, really quickly, uh, what's on your mind? Yes, um, I'm all for the police doing their job and fighting crime. The way to do it is with citizen community relations with the police. I live in a neighborhood where we have a radio patrol and we work with the police and it's organized. Hmm. And if that the money were put into that, we would have a lot more reduced crime than with ShotSpotter. Yeah. Uh, Karen, uh, I especially appreciate that perspective, you know, people in the community working to reduce crime and what their experiences uh, look like. Uh, let's, let's go to Bob in Southfield. Bob, I've only got about a minute left, but uh, go ahead. I just wanted to augment what was just said, that Crime Stoppers for years has been successful hmm where people could report without their identification uh, being uh, divulged. I think as combined with this system, it would be much more effective. That's yeah. my comment. Yeah, Bob, uh, appreciate, uh, appreciate the call and the comments, too. Okay, Eli Newman, before we have to end, uh, tell us where we're headed on this. Uh, when is council expected to make a decision? Yeah, Tuesday will be uh, when the council reconsiders this, and I expect it to be as uh, vibrant of a conversation as we had uh, earlier this week. Um, and yeah, and I and I think it really you know, but, but I, it appears that it will it will pass. Yeah, yeah. I, I think if we if we were to uh, as indicated by I think council members, I think the yays have it. Um, like I said, I think there were a couple council members that maybe are still on the fence, but it it does seem like th that uh, there is support for this ordinance or for yeah. this contract. Yeah. So if you live in Detroit and uh, you have questions about why city council might favor this or who on city council favors this, you should absolutely 
reach out to the council person or council persons who represent you and ask those questions. All right, that is going to do it for us here on Detroit Today. Uh, Come back tomorrow when uh, we will talk about something else. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.